Well, this afternoon, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, and um, I actually have someone to root for this year. I'm rooting for the Rams. I wasn't trying to divide the church there. It's my, my son and two nephews. Come on, guys, do that for the Lord, not the Rams. Yeah, last year was bad, man, because last year it was the New England Patriots versus the Philadelphia Eagles, and I, didn't, I had no one to root for. First of all, it is never God's will to root for the Patriots, right? <laughs> and where's Donya? She's somewhere in here, too. Listen, I've got yeah, t- uh, two Patriots jerseys. I had someone say, you're going to say that joke in the second service? Hey, got to be authentic. And, and so, uh, and then I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. So you just, under no circumstances can you root for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care if they're all Christian and they're all getting baptized. I still can't root for the Eagles. So, you know, in case you didn't know that, that they had a revival on that team. I'm glad for their souls, but not for their team. So, so last year, I didn't know what to do. It's like watching the devil and the Antichrist fight, you know? I mean, who do you choose? Didn't have anyone to root for, so we, we're going to root for the Rams. Now, there was somebody happy last year that the, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. There are a lot of people happy, but one man in particular was 99 years old. He's 100 years old now. His name's Phil Basser. They're calling him Philadelphia Phil now. And, and so his, his grandson put this tweet out. My, my grandfather's been waiting for this day to happen. You, you wonder how satisfying that would be to wait all those years. And um, this is how the media works. They said, man has been waiting for 10 decades for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. But the, the, the truth is the Super Bowl did not even start until 1967. <laughs> So it's not an accurate news story. And the, and the Eagles won championships all through the 50s. So, but hey, you know, in the media, why let truth be in the way of a good story, right? So just say it anyway. So, so that man, you know, he's among those at 100 years old, almost 100. He's 100 right now as we speak. Uh, got to see his team finally win the Super Bowl. I hope, he didn't, I hope he enjoyed it, but I hope he didn't build his life around that. I mean, there, there's so many things, and I have no idea. I don't know him, and, and I'm sure he's a great man. Uh, but there's so many things we build our life around, and it just kind of isn't worth it, right? You know, you, you wait all, the, all your life for a certain experience. And that experience happens and it's like, well, okay, that was good. Let's say, you, you know, you, you wanted to see Niagara Falls. I've never been to Niagara Falls. I, I suppose it would be cool to see that someday. So you drive the car and, and you look at the waterfall and you get back in your car and drive away. I mean, how satisfying could it be? I mean, it, it has to have some limitations there. I, and, you know, that's kind of how life is. It's like we wait all our life for these moments, and, yeah, they're okay. The team won the game. I got to go see the Grand Canyon, or I got to finally visit Europe. But there, there's a lot of things like that that don't really meet our expectations. How could they? Well, the title of today's message is, Jesus is Worth Waiting For. And when you know Jesus and, and we'll all fully know him in ways that no human being has when we see Jesus face to face and all of the sin just disappears and there's no separation. So we get a foretaste of Jesus now. We get a full, a full understanding of him in heaven. And we're going to see through the scripture Daniel read already today that he's worth waiting for. 
I mean, Jesus is worth waiting for. We're going to see that through the life of Simeon and Anna. And so here's the first thing that the first point I want to make is this. Write it down. We're going to give you four, four words to help organize uh, the scripture today. The first word is seasoned. And we're going to look at both passages. It's like two stories. They're both in Luke chapter 2, but they're separate times. So we'll kind of toggle back and forth between these two passages so we can see a common characteristic of Simeon and Anna. Because here's what I want you to, to get in your spirit today. I want you and I to be modern day Simeons, modern day Annas. People who are waiting for the right thing. People who are waiting for that which is satisfying. People who are orientating our life around the things of God so that we don't live a life of disappointment at the end. We live a life of satisfaction. And and so it was that we see in verse 26, for Simeon's story, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. This is a beautiful promise for him, uh, the, the greatest promise. God had revealed to him, he's been, he had been, Simeon had been walking close enough with God that there was revelation. When we walk close to God, we hear from God. And his life was orientated around the correct things. And so it is that God said, before you pass from this life into the next, you're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see the chosen one. And this is what was happening in Luke chapter 2. And, and I love the thought of this, of a seasoned man whose heart is in heaven. A seasoned man whose eyes are on the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. And I want you to hear this. There comes a time in our life when our hearts have to shift to heaven. You know, much of our heart is devoted to the things of the world. And I want to be frank, I'm not trying to lower the bar for teenagers because teenagers, I want you to go all in for Jesus, all in for Jesus. But I know when I was 15 and when I was 17 and even when I was 20, I just, there's stuff I wanted to do in this life. And that's not wrong. I mean, God gives us desires and he gives us dreams. And so yeah, I wanted to be married and I wanted to uh, you know, do some traveling and, and different individual goals that were important to me. And God put those desires in me. And so I was enjoying the world and enjoying that with God because the Lord was, by his grace, uh, walked with the Lord at a young age. But somewhere, and I'm probably... Not, I know I'm not fully there yet, but I, I know this is that all of us, our hearts have to turn to heaven. Because here is the kind of a sad thing to see when you meet someone in their 80s or their 40s or their 70s, whatever decade you want to choose, and they're just not into God. And they're just really into earthly things. Uh, and their devotion, their affection, their hopes, their dreams are all on things that are temporary, things that are not going to last. And, and when I meet people like that, I, I, I'm, I'm not judgmental and they're a bad person. I'm just kind of sad for them. And, and that's why a lot of times we're, we're chasing an experience that we're only going to get with the divine. We're chasing a rush and a thrill that only comes through knowing our Savior and knowing God in a personal way. And like it never, never ends. And Simeon shows us an alternative. Someone who, who's living for the Lord. Someone who recognizes the futility 
of earthly experience and the reality of heavenly experiences. Heaven is not some distant place far away. Heaven is very close. The, you know, the, the separation between heaven and earth is very, very thin. And often when the kingdom comes, there is no separation. This is what's awesome, the heaven coming to earth. And that's what Jesus is going to do. That's what God said he's going to come. The new Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven. God's going to be with his people. There's not this huge separation we think. Heaven is the presence of our Savior and what he wants for us. And I just see in my life, like, I see Simeon as a great example of someone who's waiting for the right things who's chasing the correct things, who has a anointed, spirit-filled bucket. You know, not just a bucket of earthly experiences that leave us diminishing satisfaction, but like wanting to see God's kingdom come, wanting to see God's kingdom come in children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews, wanting to see a move of God, a third great awakening in America, wanting to see healings, wanting to see the broken set free, wanting to see the depressed set free, wanting to see God move in new ways. These are the things that I want my heart to be orientated to. So it was with Anna. Verse 36 says, there was also a prophetess, Anna. By the way, this is a manifestation of the kingdom coming. The, the Lord is, when he said that in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So the kingdom is for both genders. And God, God treats them equally and blesses them equally. And he identifies her as a daughter of Phanil. As uh, from the tribe of Asher, she was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. That's a lot of years to be a widow. Here it was. This woman, this woman who kind of embodied godliness through longevity, through faithfulness, through being where she's supposed to be, um, she was able to recognize Jesus when other people just thought it was just another temple dedication. Because what was happening, we, we, we know this just from, just from simple logic, is that dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds, I'm not sure, but we can safely say dozens were dedicated at the temple each day. And this Jesus, this Jesus was different. And it took those who were waiting for him and those who were, who were devout and seasoned to actually see what God was doing. I, I want to say this before we move on. Why don't we thank God for longevity? Why don't we appreciate the seasoned? And, and I want you to hear this part. This is a very important point. Let us not fear aging. I think that's something that we have developed a, a fear and the fear of aging. And I think this is a symptom of secular thinking, not godly thinking. I know there's limitations with age, but there's also a deepening and there's wisdom and there's opportunity. And, and we will not expire. We will not fade out. We will transfer to a new life. Really, our, our, our years and decades here on this earth is just a very, very minute part of who we are. Because of Jesus, we will live forever. And so we should 
plan and live and think as that. This is under his lordship. I'm not trying to promote us as God's Lord forbid I would do that. I'm trying to say we are under the one true God and we shall live with him forever and ever because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of what Jesus did in the resurrection. So we don't fear aging. We know that as we age, we're just a little bit closer to the real life that's gonna come. I know it's easy for me to say that in the middle age, but God help us all in this. Here's the second part. He, was, he and she were devout. Verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. He was devoted to religious practice. He was devoted to the temple. He was devoted to the things of God. He was devoted to spiritual things. He was looking forward to Israel's consolation and the Holy Spirit was on him. Well, I, I gotta be honest with you. Like, there's a big part of me that I don't wanna be described as devout because that doesn't feel edgy. I, you know, I, I wanna be cool, not devout. When people are younger than me, occasionally this will happen. Oh man, Pastor Aaron's cool or my daughter, her friends in college, oh, your dad's cool. And I'm like, hey, it kind of feels good to hear that, huh? I got him fooled. But it, feel, it feels good, you know? I want the younger generation to think I'm cool. But what if they said, man, your dad is devout. But really, that's, that's, that should be the desire. I think that, that we shortcut a lot of things in our life and we compromise a lot of things trying to be cool instead of trying to be devout. We... We want to be relevant, not rooted. We want to be edgy, not holy. Maybe you don't have that problem, okay? So I'll just put it on myself. That's what I want to be. I want to be edgy. I want to be relevant. I want to be cool because it makes me feel young. And while, you know, understanding culture and and and. and Dressing and whatever, I'm not going to go there. Let, let me say this. So, but understanding culture is not wrong. That's not wrong. Our, our motivation should be rooted and holy and, and close to the Lord. So all of us can think about someone in our family most of us, not 100% of us, but a lot of us can think of someone in our family who was devout. They're just that anchor, that centerpiece, that person who brings a word of wisdom or who prays at the family meal or who leads the way in church participation or even more importantly, is just kind and just full of love. And we can all, a lot of us can think of someone in our family who was that person to our family. Well, who's it gonna be in your family now? We can, a lot of us can think of someone in a church that we've participated in, or maybe this church, that's just, they, they're just devout, they're just reliable, they're, they're, they're faithful, they have a godliness about them, they're someone that you can go to for prayer, they're filled with the Spirit, and they're consistent. Well, who's it going to be now? Who's it going to be now? Who's it going to be for your generation? It's going to be you, and you, and you, and you, and you, I could point 200 times today. It's, you're the one, you're the one. You're the one to take that mantle. You're the one to wait on the Lord. You're the one to be close to his presence. You're the one to, to be the leader, to be the leader. Turning, let, let the Lord turn your heart. Be the one that leads the way for the sake of the Lord, for the sake of his kingdom. 
Be the, be, be the one that glorifies the Lord and shows leadership in the areas that you're at. You can do that. I think Daniel is a great example of a life of devotion, a life of civic engagement. Daniel was civically engaged and made a difference in, in a land not his own in Babylon, yet he didn't compromise. He didn't bow his knee to the gods of that day. And he was the same person in the palace that he was in the prayer place. And, and he had a life of longevity. He was given much power at a young age. He was given much opportunity. And from everything we can see in scripture, Daniel was faithful to the end. A long life of longevity serving the Lord. So it appears to be with Simeon. So it appears to be with Anna. Look at verse 37. She, being Anna, did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayer. She was there, she was there, she was there, she was there. Then someday it was her turn. There was one day when something was a little different. There was one day when, when that person who was devout and close to the presence of God, near the community, near the place of worship, living a life of sacrifice, they were at the place where Jesus showed up. That's why the sons of Korah sang this song that, Pastor Aubrey spoke over you earlier today, Psalm 84, and it says this, how lovely are your dwelling places. Is your dwelling place the Lord of armies? I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out to the living God. Going on to verse 10, better is a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to live in the tents of the wicked people. Guys, last week God spoke to you, Psalm 19 says you should love God's word more than money. And now he's talking about the places where you're at. It's better to be in the house of God than the most desirable place planet earth has to offer. Right? It is better. I love to travel. I have plans to travel in the future. I think that's good. It's a good way to educate yourself. It's a good way to bond with your family. It's a good way to appreciate culture. There's lots of benefit to travel. But guys, the presence of God is stronger and greater than the most exotic place you can imagine. I mean, the, the, the place that you think is the most significant place to you. Can I tell you this, that if you travel the world, but don't have the presence of the Lord, you've missed it. I mean, you've gained the world, but you've lost your soul. I mean, his presence may take you to places you can't even imagine right now, but his presence has to be, it or needs to be, or you're invited, it's invited, you're, you have this invitation, that's a better way to put this. It's an invitation for the presence of the Lord to be your most valuable asset to the word of God, to be the, the greatest, most valuable thing you have. This is, this is Simeon, this is Anna, and you are a Simeon, you are an Anna, you are a Daniel. A few years ago, now, Beth and I were going through a tough situation. I mean, we're human beings. We all go through tough situations. And uh, it, it was one night that I was scared. We were both scared. And I know it makes you curious what was going on. Well, I'm not going to tell you because the Lord helped us get it through it. And we had plenty of people to turn to, people in this church, people in our, in our ministry, ministry network. But it was just in between times. You know, you have in between times where it's between the time you you're scared and fearful in the time you can actually follow up with someone. And I got an email that night from a, from a guy that I had not heard from in many, many months. I could, I could probably say two years. I don't know that for sure, but, but let's say many months to not exaggerate the story. And he was a guy that I had met in 2012 when I was interviewing for a youth pastor. And it was clear 
It was God's, we, 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 we both knew it was not God's will. He knew it was not God's will. I knew it was not God's will for him to come to CIL to be our full-time youth pastor. But we developed a friendship and just kind of kept up with each other through social media pretty casually. And, and there was a bond from that. And this email that night, it, it's not this spectacular. It's not going to blow you away, but I want, that's why I want you to hear it. And, and I, I was hurting. I was scared. I felt alone. I said, hey, Aaron, hope all is well with you and your family and church. How can I pray for you? I sure have appreciated you over the years, and I know one day I will have the privilege to meet you in person. Feel free to respond whenever and no rush at all. I will be praying for you in general tonight, and we, meaning him and his wife, will pray uh, with you for you before bed tonight. And guys, when I read that, oh, it just meant so much. I mean, it just, I was like, thank you, Lord. I mean, maybe the most random person I could imagine. I mean, right? I mean, sometimes God sends the most random person you can imagine. And I just needed that. And the, word, the words, the, the prayers are the most effective, but the, but the words and the way it was phrased, it, it, was, it was simple and pure and of the Lord. And, and so I, I want you to hear this because here, here's a, the third point here. You're, we're, Simeon and Anna, now us, we're spirit-led people. We're spirit-led people. Don't underestimate how the Holy Spirit's using you. And what you have called simple could be um, life-changing for someone else. Don't think, well, I don't have spectacular words. I don't have spectacular scriptures to share. Uh, You know, I don't have uh, uh, this exhaustive, sophisticated religious vocabulary. What you have is love, and what you have is the Holy Spirit. And if you just, just keep dropping Keep dropping love towards people. Keep dropping prayers towards people. Keep reaching out to people and watch how the Holy Spirit uses you. This is what he did. This is why Simeon and Anna encountered Jesus. They were people of the Holy Spirit. Luke 2.38 says that, well, Luke 2.27, I'm sorry. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. The Holy Spirit was leading him. There's so many examples of this. I was thinking this morning, and I just couldn't think of the right example. But I will tell you this is, is one of the places where I've had the most ministry in this city at is the Hendersonville uh, Glenbrook Kroger. I mean, it's amazing what happens there. Um, and, and, and I run into people and ministry happens. And sometimes people haven't been in church in a while. And if they don't avoid me and I catch them in the next aisle, I'll be like, hey, I miss you in church. And they come. Uh, Sometimes people will just tell me their problems and, and we pray right there. Other times it's a little more casual. It's just a kind of a touching base kind of thing. And then I find out later, um, um, thanks. And I, I, give, I say this for God's glory, not mine, because uh, there, there was a man one time who I called him by name. The Lord gave me that name. I don't always remember names. I write names down, try to get them. And, and, he, and he circled back to me the next time he saw me. And he said, you know that all my life people have always forgotten my name. You don't know how much that meant. I, I, I'm telling you this not to bring me glory, please, because I, I mess up more of those opportunities than I get. And I'm not, I wish I was led by the Spirit more. But I, I'm saying, guys, we are people led by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And these touches of his glory start hitting people different places, different times. And it's not always the spectacular that we've been led to believe. It's the simple way that, that we touch people. And God uses us. Luke 2.38 for Anna. At the very moment 
she came and began to thank God and to speak about him. This was a lady who had been years in the same place, but there was a moment, there was an instant, there was a suddenly that God showed up and God revealed Jesus through this lady who we may call simple, I call extraordinary, who was at the place where she was supposed to be devoted to the Lord, seasoned in the Lord, spirit-led to be at the right place at the right time. That's how the Lord works. This was prophesied in Malachi chapter three, verse one. I love the the connection between the first covenant and the second covenant. Look at this prediction. See, I'm coming to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant you delight in. See, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. And I just want that to be a reminder to you. We celebrate this epiphany, Jesus revealing himself to the world because Jesus has come not just for the Jews. He's come for the whole world. He's come for the whole world that exists today. We're the beneficiaries of that, but he is coming again and he's coming again and it's going to be suddenly It's going to be suddenly, and and it may be in your life that he's going to show up suddenly where you didn't see him before. He's going to show up in the poor that you serve. And I shouldn't even call it the poor. In those who are socially disadvantaged, or or I don't want to show up a divide because we need those who, who are challenged economically as much as they need us, right? We don't go to Costa Rica for for them. We go to Costa Rica for us. We don't go to Appalachia for them. We go primarily for us because we learn from the church in Appalachia, in Eastern Kentucky, we learn from the church in Costa Rica. And so here it is. Jesus is going to show up on those trips. Jesus is going to show up at that 242 group. Jesus is going to show up at the sixth and seventh grade Bible study. Jesus is going to show up in Kroger at the coffee place. Jesus is going to show up in our conversation. This this is the suddenly of the Lord. He suddenly comes and he breaks in when we least suspect it as we're faithful to him and he breaks in and then he's going to break in again. The kingdom's going to come. There will come a day when every eye will see and behold his glory when he comes again and heaven comes to earth and that divide that we thought was this huge separation, we we see that the veil is is opened and we see his glory come in a fresh new way. Here's the 